Granite Town Media's Inside Milford. My name is Tim Finan, and I'll be your host for today's episode. We have a very special episode for you today. The heads of Milford's three emergency services departments have agreed to sit down with us and discuss Milford's response to the COVID-19 situation. Fire Chief Ken Flaherty, Police Chief Mike Viola, and Ambulance Director Eric Shellberg are all with us today. In keeping with appropriate social distancing, we are conducting this interview remotely. Uh, We are on Zoom so that we can see each other as we speak, and I see it looks like all three of you are in your respective offices, which is nice. I'm in my basement. Um, Since this situation seems to be changing daily, I also want to just state that we are recording this on Tuesday, Tuesday morning, April 7th, because everything we say could be different tomorrow, I imagine. Anyway, so thanks everyone for joining us. Um, Honestly, I'm quite humbled to have such heavy hitters all together in one place. Uh, So thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. So why don't we just get started? Uh, I don't know who to direct this to. Actually, you know what? I'll start it with Ken because part of the question is the fact that I know you're the uh, um, emergency services director. No, you're the emergency management director. Emergency Management Director. So organizationally, how is this all working for Milford? Is, is there like a task force that's running all this stuff or is it, are you running as three different departments? How, how, how is it organized, our response? So the the office itself, the Emergency Manager office is in a, not partial activation, but we're in enhanced monitoring mode. So we get together, we are all on a conference call at noontime on Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. Um, there are occasional ones on Tuesdays and Thursdays with the state. Um, so we're getting all our information at the same time in real time. Um, and then we share any other information that we have locally, just with the three of us and the uh, town administrator, John. So so you said you're, okay, you, you were in enhanced mode, but you weren't in we, some other so mode? So it, it bounces back and forth from enhanced monitoring to partial activations and then full activations. Most communities are in enhanced monitoring, which means we're watching the situation fluidly every single day. We haven't technically opened the EOC here at the station um, officially, but we we get together. Oh, okay, so that's kind of like a uh, DevCon kind of thing. DevCon, absolutely. Yep. Uh, I'm saying, cool. So, so we're at the third level, really. Ah, uh, second. Second level. Okay, and all right, so. So you meet with everybody three times a week. Um, so are you, who else are you involved with? Is it, Are you involved with other communities or is it just Milford and then the state? No, it's all over the communities. So today there's a call in at noontime for the uh, legal questions. So Monday, Wednesday, and Friday are the operational questions throughout the state. Um, I think yesterday there was four or 500 people on the call um, and Wednesday will probably be the same. And Thursday we have a health officers meeting, which um, conference call at noontime, which updates uh, the health concerns and what we do there. Okay. So that was actually one of my next questions for you, Ken, was what's, cause you're the emergency management director, but I think you're also the health officer, right? Yep. Absolutely. So do you have, in this current situation, is it really the same role or do you have different responsibilities um, in each role? Yeah, that's funny. Ah, it's kind of the same role. Um, they just roll from task to task, job description to job description. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so all the orders, the executive orders done by the government, the, excuse me, the governor, 
um, are go through the health side, like closing restaurants and non-essential businesses comes through the health department. And then we get assistance from the police department to help close down uh, any of those establishments that may not be abided by the orders. Okay. Okay. That's good. I want to get to that in a little bit, but how, how that all works, but um, okay. So that's good. So what is, and, and maybe this is a, a question for Eric, maybe I, um, I don't, I don't really know who, what everyone's role is in this, but <clears throat> what is the current situation in Milford? How would, to the extent that you're able to discuss it, I know there's HIPAA laws and things like that. Um, where, where is Milford? I, I, I read that we were in the one to four category for, for exposure, I think. Is that yep, still true? That, that's correct. So, um, do we know, do you guys have any more details that you can share? Do we know, is it, is it three? Is it two? Do we know any demographics, that sort of thing? Um, yes, we do. Um, the demographics are not, it, we can't divulge the demographics, but we can tell you that there are four residents and two of them are going to be expiring off the list. Uh, one very shortly and then another one will be expiring within three days. So we'll be back down to two people. And that okay. list is for, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ken, it's a 21 day from time of testing, correct? Correct. Yeah, correct. So the time for testing to 21 days later, you remain on the list, which is done by the DHSS and then transfer it to 911. And then that gets back to our dispatch center so that we have an emergency call. The dispatch center will know that their residence has tested positive for COVID-19. Okay. So, so this all comes through the state. So if I, if I were to, you know, go to see my primary care and I get tested positive, that gets communicated to the state and then back to the town? Yeah, through the, through the DHSS office, and then it gets back to our communication center through 911. Yep. Okay. Okay. Um, so, Eric, again, I don't know. Um, this is just a question out of curiosity, and I don't know whether you can even answer this. Do you respond? Has Does your agency respond to these four patients or, or did you? So as as best we can tell, just based on the demographic, i.e. the location of the residence um, that the individual case is at. So it, it could be anybody in that household. It could be from one person to five, six, seven people in the household. Based on the addresses that I'm aware of, <clears throat> The department has not responded to those locations. Okay. So that, how do, this, that doesn't so, mean that we didn't take care of somebody from that residence. We picked I them up at another location or something of that nature. But knowing the demographics, we have not taken care of anybody that is in that in that residence or those okay. residences. All right. Okay, but okay. Sticking with you and your crew, then. I what are you, what are you doing? I I would think maybe this is um, incorrect, but I would think that your personnel are well, nobody's in more danger than anyone else. But I would think you'd be more concerned with your folks because you're by definition, if you go out on a call, you're you're exposing yourselves. And yes, I would agree with that. Um, but I also want to make sure that we have, you know, that we we're taking into account police and fire and anybody else from the town who may be responding. What we have done at, at pretty much off the beginning, especially with our uh, with police and fire, was that we came up with a process to say, hey, listen, why don't you guys hold back, respond to the calls, but hold back 
and wait for us to go in and evaluate if we still need your services, i.e. the manpower or we need extra personnel to assist in getting a patient out or assisting with even going on an ambulance call or transport, I should say. So we have tried to minimize the number of responders who will have contact with a patient and or their families to one, protect them first and foremost, but also to conserve our personal protective equipment. If they don't need to use it, then we're not burning through it. And since mm -hmm. we are in a, at a point where we have to be concerned about the amount of PPE that is available to us because we do have limited supplies and depending on how the nationwide production goes, we may be in that mode for a period of time. So from the perspective of a response, we're minimizing the number of people that are going into a scene and having contact with the patient. What we are looking to do now is to have more conversations with our dispatch center to, if appropriate, have a patient meet us at the door or come outside so that we're not going into the environment. Again, if a patient can do it, great. If not, then we appreciate that we will have to go in. Again, we're trying to minimize the number of people in. And so at a minimum, what we're doing is our staff is wearing a mask, a surgical mask, gloves, and eye protection, be it a full face shield or goggles. That allows us the opportunity to go in and have a protected uh, or be protected. Based on what the dispatch is, we are also evaluating it through pre-screening questions. And E911 is screening every call that comes in. They're looking for signs and symptoms of COVID or if it is a suspect case. Even if it's somebody with, say, an ankle injury, they are still going to do the screening questions and relay that information to us. Okay, so, you, so you're not, you're not um, wearing all the PPE if it is a sprained ankle, necessarily. Well, at a minimum right now, we are wearing at least three out of the four items that they are rec recommending. We are not necessarily okay. wearing a gown. If it is somebody with a respiratory problem, then yes, we're gonna get, we are going to gown up as we need to. So staff will then also, after we come in contact with the patient, is we're going to put a surgical mask on the patient as well. That is going to help minimize the droplet transmission. So it's going to capture it right at the patient's mouth rather than going out into the environment within that six-foot barrier that we've been talking about for social distancing. Hospitals are also requiring all patients coming in will have a mask on. So we're trying to reduce that transmission right there at the scene, and that helps better protect our employees. And this is for all patients, not just COVID, suspected COVID-19, right? all patients at this time, correct. That makes, that makes because sense. of the community spread. I mean, it's one thing to ask if you've traveled outside the United States within 14 days, but we're well beyond that. And with Massachusetts blowing up and New York and people coming from those locations into New Hampshire, it's now most of the spread is happening through community spread. All right. Sounds good. So Chief Biola, so, so what what's changed with your operations, with your officers? I, uh, is it pretty much business as normal? It's uh, we've changed a, a few of the protocols. One of the things we did was uh, we closed our lobby. Mm -hmm. uh, we have uh, we have a person still up front, but the actual doors are closed, um, and so we're we're trying to do most of our calls over the phone. If we have to go out, we we definitely will go out. It all depends on how the incident is. Um, 
what we what we really have done is just try to communicate that um, you know we're we're taking our precautions. Uh, like Eric said earlier, and Kenny said, there is a um, we we pretty much stand by on med calls now to make sure everything's fine. And if they say they need additional assistance, we'll go in. Uh, the other thing is when we are on some incidents, we've had some in, in the past couple of weeks where people have, have mentioned something that they could have been um, exposed or something. So then what we do is we reach out to both Kenny and Eric and um, there is there is a, um, a matrix and they help us go through the whole matrix to find out where we're at on um, if there's a possible exposure, what level of exposure, so on. Uh, so it's it's been a real good. Um, the operations work very well. I mean, they they've helped us out tremendously on a couple cases to make sure that our officers were were okay, which they were. Uh, but again, you know, you, you run into incidents and you're in the middle of an incident, and somebody might say something. Uh, and you're already in there, so it's uh, it's mm -hmm. it's a learn as you go. Um, the one thing we're doing is again, we're we're not really being proactive. If we do see something, we will take the appropriate action. But our, our biggest thing is just to be um, just a presence. We want to be out there so people see us. Um, we, you know, if people were having more than 10 in a group, we might stop. But most cases, what we're seeing is everybody's pretty much doing what they're supposed to do. We haven't had too many calls in reference to that. We work with the fire department quite often on that. Uh, they can either call us or call the fire department if somebody's got a complaint about something. And one of the departments will check into it and make the necessary uh, decisions on that. But police department-wise, you really haven't had too many complaints. And it seems mm -hmm. like everybody's uh, doing what they're supposed to do or a good amount of people are. Um, so even crime-wise, uh, you know, you think with people being in the house as much as they are now, and all the families being together, we really have not seen an influx of calls in, in reference to disturbances and so on. So it's been pretty good. Oh, that's good. What is your authority on some of these executive orders? Can you? I know you said you haven't been breaking up groups, but can can you break them up and? Uh, what are the punishments that you're authorized to inflict? They're really, uh, most of it, I don't want to put Kenny on the spot, but <laughs> some of it goes through Kenny. Uh, okay. Usually they will go out and assess the situation. Um, if we don't get compliance, uh, then you can go up and do more enforcement. We would be involved with that part of it also. Uh, so, yeah, once they uh, went into the, went down from 20 to 10, on the gatherings, uh, yeah, we we if we get a complaint, we will look into it. But but you do have do you do you have the authority to actually arrest or or impose a fine if there's if there's a if if someone's having a wedding down on on the Oval, you know can can you find them? Is that can you do that based on the the governor's order? We we have the authority, and, and Kenny might be able to explain a little more. Um, but yeah, there. Based on the, the emergency order, I think it's 17 and 17A, we, we do have the authority to make the situation right. Yeah, so so depending on the order and what they've done and what they've broken, um, it is it's Executive Order 17 and then the appendix was the A that came out. Um, 
there's two ways to prosecute. One is criminally, one is civilly. Um, obviously, the civilly one is done by fines, and for the criminal version is done, I believe it's a misdemeanor. Yeah, it falls under the breach of peace. Yeah. Okay. So usually we just try to educate. Makes sense. Um, but getting back to the businesses, and you talked about that earlier, uh, Ken. So it comes under your responsibility to, let's see, who 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 determines what is. I know a list came out of what's essential and what's not essential, but pick a random store in the Oval. Who decides whether or not they qualify as, as essential? So that that's the governor. Um, he made the list. Um, he was pretty specific on certain trades that could stay open and certain manufacturing places that could stay open. Um, prime example, Alien Candles closed the doors because they were deemed non-essential because they make candles. But they took it upon themselves to, as everybody saw in the news, to make masks for everybody. So they stayed open and volunteered. All Everybody there was volunteering. Um, places, say, like uh, any bars or restaurants, our curbside pickup only. Um, we have had two instances where we had to educate the owners because they were still open and serving. Um, a few hairdressers have done the same. There's just certain individuals and we try to do the educational portion first. Um, mm -hmm. If that doesn't work, then we call, we call the police department and they come in and they seem to change their mind right after that. <laughs> So essentially, it's it's self policing as far as the businesses. If I if I run a business and I and I know that I'm a hairdresser, I'm supposed to shut down. Correct. Okay. And and if somebody sees something, and basically what it is is we're not driving around looking for anybody's business that's open. We typically are receiving calls from other people that may have also been in that industry that have been forced to close that know that they're open and don't feel it's right, so they basically call make a complaint, and then we go out and follow up with that complaint. Okay, and people would contact you if if they're not sure. Correct. Okay. And we've actually worked through a few businesses. Um, you can go on the website, and there's a form you can fill out and state your case, basically, and plead your case, and then they will make a ruling for you whether you can stay open or stay closed. Yep. And actually I was, that's what I was dancing around. Cause I do know, I don't want to name a store, but I do know a business owner in town has several businesses. And, and he told me that he had actually reached out to you to find out whether or not he could keep one of his businesses open. And uh, he ended up doing that appeal that you, you discussed. Yep. You go right on in the uh, New Hampshire department of um, economics and there's a form to fill out. Okay, good. So, so you haven't really had too many problems yet with businesses. It sounds like, except maybe a few hairdressers here and there. Yeah, a few local restaurants as well, but you know, you you do the education portion of it and um, let them know you're not there to to shut them down because and we understand all their their basically we we're in the same boat as they are, right? So we know they're losing money. The downtown businesses, all the area businesses are, are in the same boat. They're all losing money. Um, as everybody says, it's the new norm at the moment. Um, we just got to mm -hmm. kind of adjust to that, and hopefully we can get out on the other side of this because the longer people disregard all the orders, the longer we'll be in these orders. So we just all need to band together and try to make that happen. I agree. And and what's the current projection? I, I've heard, first I heard that we were going to peak between the 7th and the 17th, but lately I heard it's the end of the month. Is is there a date that they're giving us? Uh, several different websites say several different things. I think this morning on one of the websites I saw the 15th, 
Um, and then some information that came through yesterday was right around that same time. So is it fair to say that Milford is not extremely um, stressed by this right now? It sounds like we, we do have our PPEs for right now, and um, we're not at DEFCON 1, it sounds like. No, no, the old War Games reference? No. Um, <laughs> we we are okay. We're holding our own. We do, our, we do a tremendous amount of education with our personnel um, pretty much daily through emails. And every time we see them, we make sure we, they understand the calls that we're going on and what we're doing and how we're handling everything. Um, and if they're not comfortable, then we, we limit our staff, as Eric said before. Some medical calls, we're limiting the amount of people that are going in the residence. Um, so we can reduce exposures on that aspect of it, so the potential exposure. Good. Now, now, what about your operation at the firehouse? Are you? Uh, I assume you're closed to the public. At least the door is closed. Yeah, we are. Our lobby is actually open, but nobody's using it. Uh, we have a, a physical barrier between uh, everybody and the and the public with the window, the new window, and the new fire station that was built. Um, so the people basically are the only ones that come in. Are a few contractors here and there, um, and they're filling out permits. Um, just trying to keep that economy side of it open and, and functioning. Um, but other than that, we're not getting any foot traffic and there's no, nobody allowed from the outside and inside the building. We clean twice a day as well. Can I get a brush permit, brush wire permit if I wanted so to? So if you had a, a, in the past, if you had a seasonal burn permit last year, we're renewing those over the phone and we're emailing okay. or faxing them to you. If you have not, we're asking you to go on the, the state website and get a permit for the day. Um, and do everything that way. So that also limits roughly about um, 300 people in a month, give or take. So we're reducing a lot of contacts in that aspect of it. Okay, good. Okay, let's see. Um, so, Mike, this will be for you. What's uh, How are things going over at Market Basket? I see you've been... You have folks down there. <laughs> no, it's uh, actually it's worked out very well. Um, the market basket reached out to us, wanted to do uh, a detail there. Uh, you know, just trying to limit the amount of people coming in and making sure everybody outside was, you know, doing social distancing and everything like that. Uh, it's been very well. Um, again, uh, the officer said the people are in a decent mood, uh, you know, Based on the times, uh, I think everybody's had a pretty good attitude about it. Uh, they they seem to be working well. You know, it, it does cut down when we're there. It does cut down people questioning the cashiers a little bit. Uh, so it, it's more of a presence that's really helped uh, the employees at Market Basket more than anything else. I think they, the management mm -hmm. there really appreciates us being there. It just it keeps everybody from uh, maybe expressing their thoughts a little. <laughs> Keeps it under control a little bit about the uh, customers coming in because again you you go in there and you you know especially before they put the limits it was packed you had the lines that were you know pretty long and you weren't getting a whole lot of stuff because they were running out of stuff uh, but now I think it's, um, it's it's worked out pretty well um, we don't do it every day I think this week we're doing it three days this week three or four days um, just more of their busier days and. So I think overall, it's, it's definitely made a big, it's been very beneficial for them. Have you had many calls on, you know, people yelling at cashiers or anything like that? I, I see it on Facebook. I don't know if it's if it's actually happening. Actually, what we what Market Basket did here is we have one person inside and one person outside. 
if you see if one of our officers or management there sees somebody maybe getting a hard time, usually if you walk up, um, it, it pretty much stops. Um, so they let's put it this way: I think they get more when we're not there, mm -hmm. uh, more people questioning. Um, so I think it uh, we call wise we really haven't had too many at all. This was something that was initiated by Market Basket because they I, I think with the big change and with the hours change, uh, they figured it's best best move to make for them. And, and I agree with it. I think it was a, a, a good move that they made and it's made the transition a lot better. And you said that is a detail. So it's, it's there. They're, they're paying for it. Basically. Yes, they're paying for it. Uh, we also what we do is the days we're not there. And even when we're there, we, we do have the officers going through and patrol just a heavy presence, just to make sure everybody's, you know, complying with what's going on. And by most cases, every, everybody is. That's good. Is it, has there been an increase in detail in general? No, the details have been um, pretty much the same. We're not doing, um, you know, there's been some, you know, road work, tree work uh, still going on. Not as much as usual, but uh, there's some still going on. Actually, if, with the roads not being as busy, it uh, there is it, it is a good time for them to do some of the road work and so on because the traffic is definitely not as much as it usually is. Um, so, Eric, what are your thoughts on masks for the general public now? You know, it, I guess there's not an order to do it yet, but it's suggested. So... The CDC did come out with, and the Surgeon General did come out with, uh, if you're going to be out in public and you know, interacting with anybody, understanding that you know social distancing, you sh should be at least six feet away. They're recommending that you put a cloth mask on, or if you have access to a surgical mask. Um, I don't disagree with that. I think that it is appropriate to do so, just because it's not a matter of keeping you from getting infected by somebody who may have COVID-19 as so much it is for you to prevent uh, droplet transmission. And so you may be one of those asymptomatic carriers who's walking around. If you at least have a mask on when you're dealing with somebody, then it will help lower that risk to them. Um, so I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. I just don't want to see the surgical mask and the N95 mask that the healthcare providers need um, be uh, the availability be diminished because people are using those. Um, a cloth mask at this time would be, is appropriate for that. All right, great. So let's see, what else do I have here that I wanted to talk to you folks about? So is everyone's personnel faring well? Do we, do we have any, uh, issues with our own employees health wise? Right now we're doing well. Yeah, I agree with echo the same. We're good. Yeah. And our staff as well. We did have four people. Uh, come down with fevers or symptoms that that were consistent or are consistent with COVID and that they were tested. Fortunately, all four came back as negative. Um, so, but it's one of those things that we're keeping a close eye on. Every day as part of our change to this response is um, when somebody comes in for their shift, they have, they take their temperature and then they report if they have any um, symptoms that may be related to COVID. Fortunately, no one has had a fever and everyone has been feeling well. So we're doing that to help protect ourselves, one another, and also to protect the, the public that we serve. 
And also what we're doing is, um, you know, we do share cars. Uh, so before shift, the officer goes on, they'll, they'll wipe the cars down on the inside. When they're getting ready to go off shift, they, um, they would wipe it down again. And then the next officer coming in will do the same. And again, like I said earlier, um, it's, it's really been good because anytime that we've had a, somebody had maybe a thought of they might have been exposed or something, the communication between all the uh, emergency services here has been, well, you know, Kenny and, and Eric have both fly, you know, came over to us, uh, talked to the officers. It's a lot, a lot different when you got people in the medical field talking to the officers than me talking to the officers. They're a lot more comfortable when they hear it from them. So it's it's done well. And I, I think the communication between the, the three departments has been great in relieving a lot of stress that our employees are getting. Great. Right. One of the, if I may, Tim, one of the other components that we've introduced for the department is, as um, Chief Flaherty said and Chief Iola have also uh, stated that we've also increased our daily cleaning. Uh, high touch surfaces are getting cleaned at least twice a day with disinfectant, you know, keyboards, phones, um, door handles, um, stuff of that nature. In addition to the ambulances getting a thorough decon after each call at the beginning of a shift. And we've also offered to our staff, and a lot of our staff is taking it up at the end of their shift to launder their uniform here at the ambulance bay. And then the next next crew that comes on will actually take it out of the washer, throw it in the dryer, and get it all um, folded up for them when it's all done. So this has really worked well with our teamwork, um, bonding the department. We've also made the same offer to the police department if they need to use a washer, if they feel that any of their uniform needs to be washed, they'll bring it over and we'll take care of it for them. So um, working together, all three departments, it, it's it's worked out very well. Great. Uh, I just want to go back to one thing you said, Eric, earlier about testing. You said some of your folks uh, got tested. What is the current state of testing in New Hampshire? Can anybody get tested or is it still in, in high demand? So testing is still in high demand. Um, not everybody can get tested. Right now, emergency service workers can be tested if they've had an exposure or someone in their family possibly has had an exposure um, and their their family member can also be tested. And then persons who are sus uh, suspected of COVID-19 uh, may get tested. And I say may, if they're in a hospital setting and they're getting admitted, they're getting tested. It's the general public, if they call their PCP, the PCP may say, yes, go for testing. Or they may say, no, ride it out. And if your symptoms get worse, call us back and then we'll go from there. So unfortunately, it doesn't sound like we have enough testing kits available nationwide, hence why there is a graduated system as to who could get tested. Sounds good. So um, I guess in closing, first of all, is there anything that any of you guys wanted to talk about that we haven't said? One thing I would like to bring up is uh, we the department really appreciates uh, everything that the the community has done, uh, that they're they're working to you know, to abide by what's being said out there, social distancing and so on. It's it's tough times, but also the amount of people that have uh, donated, you know, masks and so on, uh, it, it's been very helpful. And, uh, you know, our, our employees are very grateful that, uh, 
people have reached out to us with doing that. Yeah, I want to echo. I want to echo the same that um, since the beginning, we have received donations of food and personal protective gear, as well as cleaning supplies. You know, even a bottle of Lysol or something of that nature. You know, it all adds up, and we're very grateful. And it's nice to see the community recognizing that you know they need to support each other, including their um, the town government. Excellent. So are there any other final, um, I guess the public, we've all heard the same advice all the time. So that hasn't really changed. Six feet apart, don't touch your face, all that stuff. Is, is there any other words of wisdom to the, to the Milford populace that you would like to share? I'd like to just, <laughs> if you have a neighbor and, um, it's that time of year, time of place where we're at that if you have not reached out to a neighbor in the past, maybe it's time to communicate with them and introduce yourself to them and um, check on them. Uh, if you have anybody that's in your area that's elderly, um, check on them. Even if you got single moms or parents out there that are struggling with childcare issues, maybe check on with them. Um, the big part of the picture that's coming down and will come down eventually is the mental health of people. Uh, we need to start looking at the, the well-being of everybody's mental health status. Everyone's being cooped up, told what not to do for so long. Um, we just need to keep checking in on our people and make sure everybody's doing okay. Excellent advice. Eric? Yeah, in this time of, you know, high anxiety and social distancing and, you know, not being able to go out and do your normal thing, whatever our new normal will be after this, um, if we all can just keep up the good work that we're doing, it's going to take several more weeks, unfortunately. But if we all have a an outlook that we will get through this, that we will be okay, yes, it will be different. It'll be economic times will be tough for a lot of people, but we will make this through if we all work together and support one another. So the other thing I'd just like to say is I'd really like to say thank you to my staff for being here, coming in every day, doing their job. And also to the police and fire for their assistance and for also, you know, supporting us and working together. And I think, you know, we've got a good town and we've got a very good system here and we should all be proud of it. Excellent. Excellent. Um, I just want one last question because, uh, Ken, you mentioned the elderly and, and I forgot to ask this. How are our nursing homes faring Good. Um, actually, I just got off the phone with them all this morning. Um, checked with them regular basis to make sure everybody's doing fine and don't need anything. They're all on what they call lockdown. Um, so nobody in, nobody out. Um, two of the nursing homes are still taking um, admissions. Um, so they are allowing people, but then they're having different protocols for those people. Um, Ledgewood Bay has just instituted as of this morning that none of their residents to leave their rooms. Um, so they're really trying to stay on top of that. Um, yeah, Pillsbury homes are the same way. So everyone's doing the same. Um, so far, there's no cases in any of those reported. Um, a couple of the places have had a few uh, tests just to be, be, be um, uh, precautionary, but they all came back negative. Excellent. That's good that's news because that's, that's the scary thing you hear this across the country, the nursing homes. Yeah, I know, Tim, you were talking about uh, maybe the schools, uh, just so you're aware, you know, um, our SRO is still checking in with the schools all the time. It seems like everything's going well with the learning, um, but they reach out to them if there is any issues. Uh, 
Uh, Officer Adnizio, he's still looking and helping out whatever way he can, and also Morrow also. So it seems like it's uh, it's been pretty well. I know the the uh, students are some of them wish they can get back to school. I think because they're tired of sitting at home. I think uh, at least my kids are. Uh, but uh, overall, I, I think it's it's been a pretty good process for the school from what I, from what we've heard. Yep. Yeah. Actually, I just before I joined you guys, I did an episode with um, the superintendent and the school board chairman, and yeah, they were they were actually very uh, spoke very fondly of the interactions with the town. Very uh, appreciative. Um, so, and and I guess were you guys this? I'm, I'm beginning to ramble here. Maybe I'll edit this part out. But um, uh, who initiated that parade around town yesterday with all to all the kids' houses? Because there, I I know there was an ambulance in there, a fire truck, a police. What was that? Boys and Girls Club. Oh, Boys and Girls Club. Okay, and they, and they organized it, and you guys just volunteered to to go off and send your vehicles with them. We also did a uh, birthday party. Uh, was it last week? I believe it was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just a parade, just going by a house, which was uh, very. It was a lot of good times too. Oh, that's great. That's great that you do that kind of stuff. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I don't envy the school people and what they have to figure out what, how to handle this in the coming months. Yeah, and we thought our job was tough. <laughs> well, if you guys don't have anything else, um, I think uh, this is probably a good place to ra- wrap up. Uh, again, thanks to Ken Flaherty, Eric Shelberg, and Mike Bo- Viola for talking with us today. Um, I'm sure that I speak for the entire Milford community when I say thank you to all of you and all your personnel in particular for everything you're doing in the community um, it's, it's very much appreciated I also want to thank Chris Gentry our GTM media manager Chris has been remotely um, audio engineering this episode for us today our theme music was written and performed by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts and most major podcast apps you can also stream directly from Granite Town Media's podcast page at milford.nh.gov. As always, we welcome any and all feedback or suggestions you may have for future episodes. We invite you to, we invite you to go to Granite Town Media's Facebook page or leave us a comment on our podcast page at soundcloud.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us again for another episode Inside Milford.